0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Live in Conversation. Today, um, you know, I just kind of want to take it back real quick um, to the very beginning, I guess, of like how this campaign started and what my goals are. I just really want to outline that. I have seen quite a bit of confusion um, and, you know, I, I've been seeing, you know, a couple people, you know, criticizing my comparing, contrasting to other um, candidates running for the nomination. Um but before that, I did want to say um, they actually removed me from Wikipedia. Um, funny story, I don't know why they did that. Um, I believe they tried to say that it was, you know, for some odd reason, you know, you can't cite um, Twitter pages um, as basically, you know, proof that you're running. But at the same time, I'm not just going to cite them My501 form, you know, like, come on. So, I mean, honestly, I've been considering just, like, publicly releasing it um, and whatnot just to, you know, get all the people that are denying my candidacy out of the way. Um, Because in reality, you know, these people that are denying my candidacy, they're they're just upset, I I think. Um, And, of course, this is from my perspective and all, but they're just upset. They're mad because I stand for real change, and the candidates that they're most likely backing don't. Um, and, and here's the thing, there's a weird illusion when it comes to the word change, particularly in the political sphere. Um, you know, I, I don't understand what it is. You know, a lot of candidates run on change. Yeah. I mean, you hear change quite often promised by politicians, but when do they actually deliver is the question, um, that I have. And I have the answer for it too. And the, the the reality is that most of them don't. You know, they they claim that they want change, but the change never gets done. And that's where I see hypocrisy when it comes to career politicians is the fact that, you know, if I ever were to become a career politician, which I I personally don't ever see it happening. You know, I'm glad to be a political figure and whatnot. You know, I'm glad to be a politician um, in the future, of course. But here's the thing. One thing that I guarantee is that if I ever become some sort of career politician where it's like, you know, I bounce from office to office, like, let's say after I, after I you know, let's say I run, I'm governor for eight years and then I decide to run for, like, Senate or something, you know, um, I don't want that to be seen as, you know, me being a career politician and me wanting a paycheck because at the end of the day, what I want to do is get in there and fight and not physically. I mean, you know, the Republicans can keep that, you know, but what I want to fight for is helping the people and really representing them. That that's why I'm running for office is to really represent people because that is a humongous gap within our political system. Um, you know, we have candidates that run that pledge um, to, to represent us and to care for us and to help us when in actuality that never happens. Um, and when it does, it's, it's pretty astonishing um, when it does uh, happen every once in a while And I'm not saying all politicians, period, all people who hold a political office, period, because there are politicians out there that do care. It's just the ratio of people who care and people who don't care that are in elected office. That is the main issue, and that's an issue that we need to definitely tackle and combat, not only as a state, but as a nation. Um, And, you know, I, I personally see that as, you know, a big issue that we need to fix. I hate when it does that. I'm back, guys. Um, You definitely heard some sort of cut. Um, I don't know why, but whenever something—I don't know what happens. It just cuts me off randomly. But, um, you know, it only does it sometimes. But anyways, the issue is that we need change. And we're not receiving that change. And that is the big discrepancy um, within our political system is the lack of representation and the lack of change. You know, we can't just keep on using the same recycled plans. We have to come up with new ones to evolve as time goes on because, you know, unfortunately this isn't super hot. You know, the time doesn't just stop when you want it to stop. You know, this isn't like, you know, Groundhog Day where the same day repeats over and over again. You know, I'm trying to throw in a couple of pop culture references, you know, but in, in all seriousness... Time does not stop, and that's something that politicians and elected officials, many of which, of course, don't recognize that, or they at least don't seem to recognize it. The severity is not there. The care is not there, and that's something that I want to bring to the state, because that's what we need right about now, um, and what we needed a long time ago. And, you know, moving on to the whole comparing and contrasting thing, of course I'm going to compare and contrast myself to other candidates that are running against me, you know, because voters... And uh, people who are eligible to vote um, typically don't do that. And it's really unfortunate because a lot of these people miss out on what are really good candidates. You know, we had it happen in uh, 2016 with Bernie Sanders. You know, a lot of people missed out on Bernie Sanders. I missed out on Marianne in 2020, although I did back Sanders, of course, because, you know, I'm a go-to Sanders person. Um, But, you know, with this election cycle coming around, you know, Marianne's here. And she's the only real progressive option we have. And that's why I choose to support her for that nomination. And if she does win that nomination, I'm 100% proud to endorse her for the general election if she actually wins the Democratic primary. But unfortunately, you know, the the weird um, tactics being used by the DNC and the Biden administration to kind of shoehorn him in as the winner of the primary by basically covering up the fact that there even is a primary ...is sick and twisted in my opinion, you know, I think it's absolutely unfair not just to Marianne, not just to RFK, but to the voters, to the registered Democrats who vote in these elections and who are eligible to vote in these primary elections and even in the general elections and just in general to all Americans because a lot of Americans, particularly Republicans and some third party people as well out there, you know, they tend to disagree with the Democratic Party because we nominate such bad choices You know, um, we make them look good on paper through, like, advertising and whatnot. You know, it was pretty easy to do in 2020. I mean, do you want someone who really didn't do a great job or do you want another person? And then, you know, we really didn't question who that other person was and we all just went to go vote for him. And it ended up becoming a really close election because of that. And more and more, people are leaving our, our duopoly system And I think it's a good thing, personally. You know, I feel like, you know, we should be welcoming third-party candidates with open arms. As a former third-party supporter myself, you know, I supported the Green Party, and I very, very briefly supported the Libertarian Party more toward the left side of the Libertarian Party. But still, I briefly was in the Libertarian Party, and I was on and off, you know, um, more longer, of course, in the Libertarian Party stint. I was a, a supportive of the Green Party, and I still am. I still support many Green Party candidates. Um, I support Jason Call up in Washington, 2nd District. I support him for Congress because I think that is the best choice. But then I also support certain Democratic candidates and even independent care, uh, candidates as well. Because I realize that we're beyond a duopoly system. The citizens of this country deserve much better than a really strict and tight duopoly system that forces them to vote for option one or option two, and doesn't show them the other hundreds of other options that are available to them, whether it be within the primary process or even at the general election with third parties, you know, um, and I think it's awful. I think it's horrific that we've allowed that to, you know, kind of take control of our political system in the first place, but we are now in a position, and we've always been able to enter this position, we are now in a position where we want to take back our country. We want to take it back from far right, We want to take it back from the centrists. We want to take it back from the moderates. We want to take it back from the, um, you know, neoconservatives and the neoliberals. You know, we want to take it back from them and we want a path forward. And, you know, this is something that I personally, you know, I've obviously had very good words about the Forward Party, which is founded by Andrew Yang, who was a Democratic candidate for president back in 2020, Um, although he lost the nomination, unfortunately. um, You know, I always did like some of his ideas. Um, And while I didn't really support him, his campaign back in 2020, that was mainly because I was uninformed that his campaign was was actually what I was kind of asking for. And, you know, I saw that Bernie Sanders was in the race and I was like, oh, hell yeah, you know, let's go Sanders, you know. And I I pushed for Sanders and I like Sanders. I like Bernie Sanders. You know, he's, he's a, a, an incredible person who has, you know, made a lot of changes um, for the better. And, you know, I, I still feel like, you know, people try to make it seem as though, you know, Americans have to face constant ultimatums and, and constant, you know, tough decisions and I don't think that has to be the case. I think that, you know, if we want to push what we want to push, we can push it with ease, but we need to stop compromising the working class and putting them at risk within our plans. I personally think, you know, if the Republican Party were the, were to raise taxes on the rich, you know, they'd be able to lower taxes for the working class way better and not screw up the budget, you know, but they don't want to do that. And that that's their decision, of course. Me personally, I want to lower the taxes for the working class. I want to low. I want to lower the inflation. I want to end the gas tax because I see all of these things as absolutely unnecessary, especially due to the high volume of people who have millions upon millions of dollars within California, especially. Um, there's many rich people in California who are not paying their fair share. Some of them aren't, aren't even paying tax at all because they're using loopholes. Um, you know, and it's like, I feel like the IRS has to step up and and tell these people, not even just in California, but all across the nation, that enough is enough, and we're not going to tolerate, you know, um, tax evasion anymore, because that's what it is—it's tax evasion, and I don't stand for it. You know, everyone should have to pay their fair share according to the amount of money that they have available and the amount of money that they make in a year. You know, and I, I'm a very big proponent of that. I personally think that that is the way things should be working within our taxation system. Although certain rich people don't want that because they, they would rather just not be taxed at all or they would rather it be staying where it's at, maybe lower it or even give like a flat tax rate. But the issue is that, you know, not everybody has millions upon millions stashed away on offshore bank accounts. And Americans don't make seven-figure incomes You know, six-figure incomes, seven-figure incomes, even eight-figure incomes. You know, we don't make that. We don't all have that available to us. Only the rich do. Um, And they need to begin to pay their fair share. Um, They need to pay their fair share in income tax. They need to pay their fair share in property tax. They need to pay their fair share on every sort of tax, you know. The working class should not have to be taxed at least an extra dollar per gallon, just to fill up their car so that they can go to their low-paying working-class job. At least one of the jobs that they have, they probably have several. We shouldn't have to tolerate that, and we shouldn't have to deal with that. That should not be our only available available option in exchange for equality and in exchange for you know representation. You know that should not be the compromise that the Democratic Party is 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 forcing onto people if they vote for them. You know, at this point, working-class Americans are turning away from the Democratic Party because we're like, oh yeah, we're going to raise the taxes. But the issue is that we should not be raising the taxes for the working-class and for the lower-income communities. We should be lowering their taxes while adjusting the taxes for the rich and for the corporations. You know, these people have such control over our country that we need to tax them accordingly. And we need to raise their taxes because they're not paying enough, you know, especially people who own, you know, monopolistic companies and conglomerates. You know, um, these people have such a humongous amount of control, whether it be with our food source, whether it be with our our local Walmart or Target, um, whatever our local supermarket is, you know, whether it be, you know, our cars are systems we use at work on a daily basis, you know, stuff like uh, Excel, Microsoft Word, Google Docs, Google Sheets, Google itself, you know. We have extremely important and crucial services that are being held by monopolies and are being dominated by monopolies because they have been allowed to get that control legally. And, of course, we can't just go up to every corporation last second and be like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're splitting your company up into 17 million different fragments. You know what I mean? But at the same time, these these corporations and these CEOs and board of directors, um, they all need to be held accountable. Not only for the paycheck, the humongous paycheck that they make, but also they need to be held accountable for the amount of influence they have and the amount of control they have on Americans, You know, Twitter, they just fired, or well, Elon Musk just fired the entire election integrity team, which basically the team, as it says, it's quite literal, keeps the integrity of elections well maintained, which is something that every social media service should have in my personal opinion. We cannot allow misinformation to deceive Americans. We cannot allow it to deceive Californians either. We cannot allow misinformation and biased news influence the way that we vote. We cannot allow it to happen. Me personally, I I don't pay attention to the biased news. I go several times a day, I go onto the Associated Press, which is typically non-biased, and I look for the non-biased news and I look at it there. I don't like looking at biased news. Of course, you know, sometimes it's unavoidable. Yes. Of course it's unavoidable, because it is monopolistic gain, and it is a monopolistic control over the news media industry. And that's unfortunate. You know, um, I personally don't think it should be that way, but of course, you know, our capitalistic economic structure has allowed that to go on. And at this point, it's, it's becoming nearly irreversible, unfortunately, um, and I don't think it should be at that point. I, sh- I think it should have been stopped a long time ago. You know, there's been several mergers that have failed. There has been several mergers that have succeeded. You know, Warner Brothers and Discovery used to be two different companies. Now they're one. Warner Brothers Discovery, it's a real company now. That, that is what's happening. Um, you know, which basically combines HBO, all of Warner Brothers and all of the Discovery channels, which is like a bunch of the channels that you watch or you may see, Whether it be in, you know, like a public place or not, you know, you're at the barber. they have like HGTV on, that's owned by them. You got the Food Network on, owned by them. You got HBO on, owned by them. Most of the movies that you watch, chances are they're owned by them. And that's an issue because, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe they haven't exploited their power yet. But we are allowing them to have that ability to do so. We're giving them that power and putting it in their hands and just trusting and hoping and praying that they don't use or will more specifically abuse that power. And, you know, I personally think, you know, I, I, we can't trust them. We don't know them. You know, we don't know them personally. How are we going to be expected to trust them with such big amounts of power, and responsibility and influence. How are we gonna be able to just solely trust one greedy CEO who makes seven to eight figures per year? You know, how are we gonna trust them? How are we gonna trust a CEO who makes half the cars in our entire country, makes eight figures on a yearly basis, and is known for cutting costs? How are we gonna trust them? Because we don't know them. And that's, that's inevitable. That's the inevitability that surfaces, is the fact that we do not know these people personally. We don't know if we can trust them or not. But most Americans, unfortunately, just go with the flow and they don't question anything. They don't raise questions. They don't raise their concerns. And I think we should. I think we should. We have the right to do so. Unless this truly has become a government run by the corporations and for the corporations, rather than be rather than by the people and for the people, um, you know, it's it's like if 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 it is still run by the people and for the people and represents the people, then we should be raising our questions and our concerns about these corporations and about these monopolies and conglomerates that are absolutely massive when it comes to their monopolistic control over important aspects of our day-to-day life as Americans and as just humans in general. Um, And I, I personally think, you know, there's certain monopolies that, you know, provide us everyday items. I'm looking at several right now that I could name. The thing that I'm recording this on, it's an iPhone, Apple, there you go. Um, let's see what else I got. I got, uh, uh, the Amazon Echo in my room. Amazon. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory there. My AirPods, Apple, yet again. My Apple Watch, Apple, yet again. Um, my TV, Insignia. I don't really know what that is, but I'm almost certain it's owned by a big corporation. Chances are. Um, I have an Xbox in this room, actually. Microsoft. You know, they, they control Excel, Word, Office, all of that. Um, let's see what else I can find. A couple lotion bottles here. Bath and Body Works. Um, all big brands that you have heard of. Let's look at this tissue box. It might sound a little crazy, me looking at a tissue box. But still, it's, it's a Puffs. That's the brand name. Let's see who owns Puffs. The tissue. Let's see who owns the Puffs tissue brand. Let's see. Huh. Huh. All right. Procter & Gamble owns Puffs Tissues. Big corporation, Procter & Gamble, they make a bunch of different products. I think you guys should get my point at this point. Hopefully you do. Um, Point is that a lot of corporations make a lot of products that we use on a daily basis. I use at least a couple tissues every single day just from allergies and whatnot. You know, I use my AirPods every single day to listen to some music. I use my phone every day, obviously, to, you know, use it as a phone. To, you know, search the internet, call people, text people, respond to emails, so, such forth, um, you know. And it's like, you know, it, it's, it's insane the amount of control that these corporations truly have and while, you know, maybe they're not using it for ill intent yet, we are setting them up, and we already have set them up, to potentially cross us all and use it for ill intent. They can harvest our data. You know, there's the possibilities are nearly endless at this point because we have not passed strict regulations for these companies and corporations. We haven't done that. You know, and another thing, you know, everybody has, you know, like TV plugins, you know, you might have an Amazon, uh, you know, you might have a Fire Stick, it's owned by Amazon. Who knows? You might have a Chromecast, it's owned by Google, yet again. Me personally, I have an Apple TV, owned by Apple, um, you know, and, you know, it, it, it's fine that these companies make all these products, you know, but we have to make sure that they're held accountable for their control. If they have such high amounts of control and ability to influence and uh, use us as consumers, then they need to be held accountable and they need to be taxed accountably alongside being held accountable on a moral standpoint and on a legal standpoint as well, and even on the financial standpoint, if you include the whole raising the taxes thing and and you know making them pay their taxes accordingly um you know and it's like Obviously, this this has gone quite off topic. You know, I was actually going to come on here to like re-explain the campaign and whatnot, you know, put it into simpler terms. But this is a real concern. Um, and it's understandably a real concern. Because what are these corporations doing? You know, we have no clue. There's no transparency. And if there is, who knows, maybe that transparency isn't even truthful, because we, we we are unable to tell with such, fake, uh, such high amounts of fake news and misinformation and just flat out lying that has flooded our news sources. You know, the same thing could be happening behind closed corporate doors and we just have no clue. You see what I'm saying? The consumers deserve to know what's going on with the people who own a lot of their products and who create a lot of their products that they use on a daily basis. Um, you know, if I go out right now, I'm going to open my door and I'm going to go out. Let's see. Let's see the first thing. Uh, cough drops. Here we go. Cough drops. Who makes these? Mondelez. Guess what else Mondelez makes? A lot of snacks, a lot of Oreos, a lot of stuff like that. Let's look at the NyQuil right here. Procter & Gamble, the same company that makes the tissues. And you you have to realize that this coincides with a lot of stuff. Let's go into my bathroom. Let's see what's in the bathroom. It's going to get very echoey, but, you know. Again, hand soap. Bath & Body Works. Let's look at the toothpaste. Um, I have two in here, actually. I don't know why. Colgate, uh, owned by the Colgate Palmolive Company. Let's look at this one. This is the one that I use. Crest. Procter & Gamble, yet again. So, we have now noticed three different products owned by Procter & Gamble. We have tissues, we have NyQuil, and we have, um, what's it called? We have toothpaste. Let's look at this. This tissue box. It's it's Walmart brand. I don't even I remember buying that. But anyways, you know, we have Walmart brand. Let's look at this. Floss. Oral B. Who makes this? Procter & Gamble. Yet again, the floss, the dental floss, Procter & Gamble, which is P&G. If you see a little P&G or or the words Procter & Gamble, it's the same company. And that's that's the reality, is that a lot of these companies work together to keep this monopolistic control in their hands. And, you know, we've done not enough to, you know, highlight... Big brand, or well, not big brands, but small businesses. We have not done enough to highlight small businesses and smaller co- companies that produce really high quality stuff. You know, um, and it sucks. It really, really does. And we should be doing a lot more for small business owners, um, and and startup owners as well. Um, you know, we should we should be encouraging these people, not raising their taxes so high that they have to shut down their dream. To create a business and to run a business, we shouldn't be just taxing them so high that they have to leave, or you know, forcing them to be based in high crime rate areas, which forces them to shut down due to all the theft. Um, you see what I mean? It's it's incredibly complicated, and it's a really difficult task to take on. But I will try my best to make sure. That companies are held accountable on legal, moral, and financial levels. And I will make sure that there is a certain precedent of transparency that companies must follow. We have done great jobs, the state of California, with keeping transparency and and online privacy and protection. You know, um, most websites now, you know, that sell data. Now have an option that if you live in California, you are legally entitled to request and demand that your data is not sold or collected. Um, and that's something great on a lot of products, um, you know, that you buy physically. You know, we've put warnings on there for products, including chemicals or materials that have been known to link to things like cancer. Um, and, you know, that's also great. That's fantastic progress. But we need to hold the corporations accountable, not just slap, you know, a little do not sell my data button and a little warning label, you know, we got to do a lot more than we already have. And I'll try my best to make that happen because that's what the good people in the working class and the lower income communities both deserve. That's what we all deserve. And I will make sure that it happens. So yeah, Um, but that is the end of this episode. Um, Thank you for listening. Um, I really appreciate it so much. And also for your support on the campaign trail. It is all greatly, greatly, greatly appreciated. Um, So yeah, but thank you for listening and I'll see you guys next time.